the podcast from Belmont Chapel in Exeter, sharing the story, living the life. For more information, go to belmontchapel.org.uk. Um, as Clive has said, my name is Simon. It's, it's my uh, task this morning to take us through the next in our series, uh, looking at the letter of Romans. Let's start uh, with a quote. If you want to build a ship, don't drum up the men to gather wood, divide the work and give orders. Instead, teach them to yearn for the vast and endless sea. Anthony de San Exubery. Well, I think the Apostle Paul, who wrote our letter to the Romans, which we're going to take a look at in a few moments' time, he has spent 11 chapters doing the theological equivalent of teaching us to yearn for the vast and endless sea. It's his aim that any motivation that you or I have towards Christian love, service, sacrifice, comes from a steady gaze upon the vast and endless sea of God's love, of God's mercies, God's compassion towards you and towards me. Here's here's another way of saying it. Uh, See if this helps. Um, Claire and I, we were at uh, the rim of the the Grand Canyon. I can remember it well because we had taken our uh, beaten up, four by four red Subaru that we had rented from uh, used car auto rentals in Laxba Landing in East Bay, San Francisco. And we had driven it all the way to Nevada to go and see the Grand Canyon. And we're there at the rim of the Grand Canyon. And we've been given some advice as to what you're meant to do when you get to the rim of the Grand Canyon. I don't know whether anyone knows this. What you're meant to do is put your head down. You're meant to Shuffle forwards, keep your head down. Shuffle forwards, look at your feet, keep your head down. Make sure you find the barrier. And then, and then, and only then, look up. Wow. Wow. Core. Oh. Oh my, wow, look at that view. Isn't that stunning? Isn't that amazing? Well, let's hear the Apostle Paul's woe. There's some woe and some oh in the Bible. Let's take a look at him as he takes in a spectacular view. This is the finale, the last words of Romans chapter 11. Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who's ever been his counsellor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. That is a huge woe just prior to the passage we're about to read. What God has done in and through the Lord Jesus leads to this hymn bursting out of Paul's heart from the depth of his heart. And he's just saying, wow, wow, look at what God has done. 
That's the immediate context for the passage we're going to take a look at this morning. Wow to all that God has done for us in the Lord Jesus. Namely, a, a living faith in his death and resurrection on our behalf. And in Romans 12, we take this, we move from this 10,000 foot view right down to ground level and the nitty gritty of day to day life. And we're going to do that together now. So I'm going to read uh, verses uh, 1 to 8 for us. We've been adding a little bit uh, line by line, and we'll do that in a few moments' time. But let's see how Romans chapter 12 just kicks off. We heard this from Johnny at the beginning of our series. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, that big view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. The image is, is really simple. The metaphor is really simple. It's worship of God. But on the altar isn't simply something of ours, but our very own selves. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. I wonder if you could uh, humor me for a few moments' time. Could you put your hand in the air, nice and high for me, please, if you have ever seen uh, one of these uh, used in a Belmont service? Put your hand in the air. Okay, what's that? I'm going to say two-thirds, maybe a bit more than two-thirds of us. Okay, so you might be wondering what this mystery object is. I took it home this week. Drew very kindly let me borrow one. Thank you, Drew. And I could take it home. I asked the boys what they thought it was. Uh, Ben, age two, helicopter. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Henry, age four, I like this one. This was top of a pump. I thought that was quite good. That's quite good. Uh, This is our collection or our offering boxes. And pre-pandemic, we would pass these along the rows during our worship service to remind ourselves that we worship God with our wallets, with what we give. And so this was one of the ways in which we would regularly remind ourselves during our worship that our stuff belongs to God, our resources belongs to God. And we could put things in it as it comes along the row in our worship service as part of our offering. And what what Paul's really saying at the beginning of Romans chapter 12 is it's not just a bit of our stuff that goes in the box. It's our whole selves. So, you know, imagine if we shrink us all down Belmont Chapel and I can see you all in here. That's the ideal that we're all that we're putting all of ourselves into into the offering. Now, you'll notice as we've been going through this series, we've been adding a few verses uh, week by week, and we're going to do that uh, again this morning. We're going to be adding verses 6 to 8 to our reading. If some of what I've been saying this morning is just completely unfamiliar to you, you're, well, what's Romans? I've not been in church before. What on earth are you all talking about? We read the Bible uh, week in, week out uh, here at church, and we're going to be engaging this morning Thankfully, with some content that is more than 24 hours old. This is your opportunity to escape the news cycle and have an encounter with God's timeless and timely word. 
The Bible contains within it story, song, speech. Today we're dealing with speech, stuff the Apostle Paul said to an emerging church in the heart of the Roman Empire, first century AD. Romans is a letter written to a bunch of house churches, all of about 30 to 40 people each in the heart of the Roman capital. The population of Rome at the time is 450,000 people, and it's estimated, the scholars tell us, that the church in Rome might have been about 150 to 200 people. This is the Rome of Nero and Seneca, real stuff, real people, a letter written by the Apostle Paul, delivered by his friend Phoebe, who's travelled all the way from Sengcrie, the eastern harbour of Corinth, to Greece to deliver this very important letter that's going to go around the houses, the home groups in Rome. This letter lands into a, a series of house churches, not much bigger than our home groups, and in fact, we even know the names of some of the home group leaders. Some of you uh, serve as home group leaders in this church. Um, You don't have names like this, though. The letter lands into Rome, and it goes to a couple of different house churches. It goes to the house church uh, that's run by Prisca and Aquila, chapter 16, verse 5. The one run by Asyncretos and his friends, 16, verse 14. The one run by Philogus, Julia, and the others, 16, verse 15. And those who belong to Aristobulus, 16 verse 10. And those belong to Narcissus, who are in the Lord, 16 verse 11. A real letter going to real people. So let's read it. You'll find it in Romans chapter 12 uh, in the New Testament. The words will be on the screen or you may follow along in your Bible paper or electronic copy. It doesn't matter. Lord, as we come to your word now, please open our hearts, open our minds, and speak to us, we pray. Uh, Lord, we, are, we acknowledge that you are the, the author of this book, and so please speak to us once again, we pray. Amen. This is what God's word says. Therefore, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. In accordance with faith, God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have all the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. And if it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Well, how are we going to live this out? 
We've gone from the 10,000 foot view and we're now down at ground level. What will it look like to put our whole selves in the box? To offer ourselves as a living sacrifice to God? Well, this passage, verses 6 to 8, tells us exactly what it looks like. Offering ourselves to God looks like a generous life. Using our grace-given gifts to bless one another. Refusing to conform to the pattern of the world looks like a generous life. Using our grace-given gifts to bless one another. Transformation and renewal. That's only going to be possible here if we live generous lives. Using our grace-given gifts to bless one another. Now, there are seven different gifts mentioned in our passage this morning. This is certainly not an exhaustive list. You will find other lists of gifts in the Bible. But what I don't want you to miss this morning is that this list gives us just a brilliant at-a-glance kind of summary of the types of gifts the church possesses and what we shouldn't miss. And what's somewhat unique to this list is a call for believers to use their gifts with excellence and with passion. Excellence. If your gift is prophesying, do it in accordance with your faith. Do it with excellence. If it's giving, then give generously. Do it with passion. If it's to lead, do it diligently. Do it with excellence. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully, do it with passion. I found it helpful to take this list, as the commentators do, and see it as generally two groups of gifts. gifts. Word or verbal gifts and deed or non-verbal gifts. So in the word category, we can have prophecy, teaching, exhortation, leading. And in the deed category... We can put serving, giving, and showing mercy. It's kind of helpful to see those two side by side. We get a picture of how God is at work distributing gifts among his people. And recall that Paul didn't ever visit this church. He's only written to it. He didn't found it. He didn't visit it. Yet he's certain that these little body of believers have been amply blessed by God, with gifts in word and deed to build up the body and bring glory to God. I think it's really helpful also just to see the mixture of different gifts that are up there, just the sheer diversity of them. We could take that top one prophecy. That's considered to be one of the foundational gifts of the church. That spirit-given ability to bring a timely and relevant word from God, unlocking For his people, understanding, correction, repentance, or edification. But as grand and as wonderful as that gift of prophecy is, and was within the early church, guess where it's sitting right next to? Service. Prophecy and service, side by side. A gift that's about accomplishing practical and the necessary tasks to support enable and meet need. Those two are side by side and they're both called gifts, charismata, from which we get the word charismatic. 
if your gift is serving, know that it's right up there. It's right up there with prophecy, that foundational gift in the church. Well, I'm not going to work my way through all of, the, all of the gifts and tell you a bit about them, but I have spotted a structure for you that I think will be helpful, whatever your gift is, whether it's listed here or you find it elsewhere in the Bible. Here's what I think the structure looks like. We get this opening phrase, we have different gifts. If you know and love the Lord Jesus, you've been given gifts. That one's non-negotiable. Where have they come from? They've come from grace. They've been given according to the grace of God and in view of God's mercy. And if your gift is dot, 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 insert gift here, use it. Use it. And use it with excellence and passion in view of God's mercy. Well, let's recall that the gifts that Romans 6 uh, six to 8 calls us to use were never ours anyway. The real gift giver is God himself. No one can outgive God. Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. All the gifts in that list, they are from God and through God and for God. They've all come from him. They may look like ours, but they are really God's. Any generosity we may see amongst one another finds its origin then in God's superabundant and generous grace. Quite simply, any generosity expressed by you and I is simply an overflow of that giving that God has done. God's superabundant and generous grace. And so I want to spend the rest of our time this morning just talking about generosity. I wonder, have you, have you ever wondered who funded, funded uh, Jesus' ministry? You wondered? I must have taken some cash, I guess. Not, not a great deal. But who funded Jesus' ministry? We know, actually. Three women. These were women taking risks, uh, walking by faith, living with purpose, and their names are in the Bible. Luke chapter 8, verses 1 to 3. Mary, Joanna, and Susanna. They get this verse. These women were helping to support them, Jesus and the Twelve, out of their own means. Broadly speaking, that's uh, how things work here. Day by day, uh, week by week, month by month, year by year. Ministry, sharing the story, living the life. That's enabled by the generosity and the sacrifice of people giving out of their own means here at Belmont. I mean, people give all kinds of gifts, and those women did too. It's likely that Mary, Mary Magdalene, didn't give a, a, a huge amount. She wasn't a wealthy woman. But then we read of someone like Joanna. She's the, she's the wife of Herod's uh, business manager. She's probably quite a, a wealthy lady. But people give from their own means to enable ministry that walking with Jesus that happens in this place. People give anywhere between five pounds a month to several, several hundreds of pounds per month. And this morning, we can give thanks for the gifts God has given and the way they've been generously used in the life of this church. I want to 
show you a picture of someone, chances are you won't recognize him. Uh, But he was here at the opening of this church in 1956. And he had this to say. This building has been erected by the sacrifice of people who've experienced in their lives the love and quickening power of Christ and the power of his word. That's Sir John Lang. He's a Christian entrepreneur, businessman, philanthropist. He put up at cost the building, which is over there, which is the toddler hall. The church then rallied round to find the finances to, uh, to open the building. We read this in, uh, in that new sheet that you have, Focus, from like 1981. So I've done some research. Sir John Lang put up the building at cost. The church rallied round and they found every conceivable way to collect money. Into the building fund went not only cash, but jewellery and other small valuables. The giving was sacrificial, whether it meant a haircut once a month instead of once a fortnight or putting off buying a new coat. I thought that was absolutely lovely to hear about the generosity of the Lord's people here at uh, this bill at the church's very inception. Well, the principle of a generous life, using our grace-given gifts to bless one another, is embedded into the foundations of this place. It has continued to this day, but that's just a history lesson. We hope and pray in Jesus' name that it continues for many more. I had a delightful coffee uh, the other day with Ian White, who is a former uh, elder and leader here at the church. It was so deeply encouraging to hear the stories of the way in which stunning generosity, his words, and palpable unity were expressed here as the church moved here 50 years later in 2006 and opened up the building that you're in at the moment. His stories that he told me, they were, they were a bit similar to that gift list that we just read. The prophetic, the practical, the twists and the turns that led to the building and the establishment of the place in which, which you now sit. But that was then, and, uh, and this is now. So on behalf of the leadership team and the trustees, we continue to believe God provides for his work, for his people, through his people. And he calls us all to use our gifts, monetary or otherwise, that big list, in building up the church, in seeking to share the story and live the life. To continue to make the most of the opportunities of ministry in our city, we need to strengthen the foundations of that regular giving, that month by month, week by week, a regular giving. Church members, you're going to be receiving a a letter uh, next week that's actually going to put in some of the details, some of the facts and the figures that I won't uh, go into this morning. So check your mailboxes during the week and we do ask that you'd be able to give that your prayerful and generous consideration. If you're wondering about how to give, uh, many do so through uh, regular gift-aided standing orders, There'll be, there's some forms available on the information point if you want uh, to grab one of those. But you can give in so many different ways now. Let me just highlight those. Uh, so bank transfer and standing order uh, or text giving, all of those details are there week by week in focus, which is our, is our new sheet. 
members, you can also give through my church suite. The church has an app. Um, and through there, you can give by direct debit too. Well, there is so much more to this than, uh, than simply giving our money, though. That translation there of uh, give generously is elsewhere talked about as sharing. There's a fantastic, uh, almost you call it an open source uh, sharing system that Mike Cox has created. A little Google, uh, uh, Google group in which people put things that they wish to, uh, to give away to folks in the church. That's just, and over the years we've seen uh, train tickets, cabinets, appliances of every kind, the odd car, things like that. It's just a great way that we can be not just giving to one another, but sharing together too. But as we come to a close here, I just want to return to, to these boxes that you may not have seen in a little while. And just, just remind us that uh, when it comes uh, to offering our lives uh, as living sacrifices, it's about putting our whole selves uh, in the box. We're going to pray together. And Jen is going to lead us in prayer in just a few moments' time. Allow me to close in prayer and then hand, hand on to Jim. Uh, Lord God, we ask that you might uh, please prompt, help, uh, guide us, we pray, as we seek to use the gracious gifts that you've given us in service of one another, And we pray that in view of God's mercy, the cost would seem so much smaller. And we ask these things in the name of God.